Anything heard on the MSU WMA podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be considered as investment advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MSU WMA podcast. Justin Halverson here. Today, I sat down with Ben Fithen of the MSU Cannabis Industry Association. So a little bit different of an episode for us today. To give you guys some background, over the summer in 2021, or in 2020 rather, I received an email about a new student organization that was popping up at the Eli Broad College of Business on MSU's campus, MSU CIA, the Cannabis Industry Association. So I ended up talking to their founders, had some great talks and conversations with them, and that led to this podcast that we recorded. So Ben talks today a little bit about the foundations of MSU CIA, how they came about, what they're doing over there, as well as some of the opportunities for students who might be considering a career path in that kind of space. Um, lastly, of course, I had to ask Ben a couple of investment questions. So he did, um, it was great hearing his thoughts about that as well. Great conversation today. Hope you all enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the WMA podcast. I am here with Ben Fithen. Ben, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Justin. Yeah, so to kick things off here, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, you know what you're up to today and um, your connection to being uh, a smart? Yeah, of course. Uh, so my background, I'll start with my last five years. That's usually the easiest ground to cover. Uh, so I joined the military in, in very early 2016. Um, became an officer in the Army, uh, went on to serve in, in the air and missile defense realm. Um, my connection to the industry starts about 2018 in a very, you know, irregular context, I think. Um, I just got back from Afghanistan that summer, um, decided I wanted to, you know, use the, the good old GI Bill and, and get a master's and uh, stumbled, upon, excuse me, stumbled upon Eli Broad, uh, said, you know what, I want to go to business school. That's what interested me. And at the time, um, in that, that late summer period of 2018, obviously it was, was just getting involved with uh, my master's in of science and management strategy and leadership at Broad uh, Tilray, which is, you know, one of the most recognizable cannabis companies, uh, saw their stock price just basically go to the moon and beyond. Uh, in early August, they were at like $25 a share. And then at the end of October, middle of October, it was at like 146. And so all these people were, were posting these articles on Forbes and, and Market Watch and all these other platforms, um, trying to make sense of it and explain it. Because obviously up to that point, you know, the cannabis industry as a whole was kind of taboo and still in that weird growth stage. And so as I, you know, entered business school, I was like, oh, I can definitely start, you know, writing about this, using this as, as a case study and, and helping me to really kind of make sense of all the concepts that I was, I was learning. And so in March of 2020, basically when, when COVID hit and all the stay-at-home orders were in place, um, I got a all-user message from an undergrad student, uh, Matteo uh, Markin. He was starting a cannabis industry association out of MSU uh, to help people make sense of the industry. And I, I sent him a message back saying, hey, man, I'm in. I want to learn. You know, let me help you learn. I want to learn with you. Let me get involved. Let's figure out how we can you know, make sense of this industry, you know, for me, obviously, as a, a professional that was looking to 
you know, get out of the army and, and find a new, you know, professional home and, and him as an undergrad student. And so we kind of just took that, that industrial fervor, put it into the Michigan uh, State University Cannabis Industry Association, MSUCIA, and started really trying to figure out how we could tie, you know, student interests to industry and, and bridge that gap because that was just a, an area that hadn't been developed yet, but there were so many people interested that we said, you know what, I guess we'll be the trailblazers and, and try and figure this out for you, so. Yeah, that's so cool. I might have gotten the exact same message you did because I reached out to Mateo after getting something very similar, or maybe it was a message you guys put out, but I know I'm, yeah, I'm an undergrad who's interested, so I think there's definitely a lot of that out there. Do you mind actually touching a little bit on that and what the MSU CIA Cannabis Industry Association is and what they do on campus? Yeah, of course. So, um, and I'll reference this article. So, so Matteo Markin, the, the president of the association, uh, just got interviewed by, by Growin. It's a cannabis industry newsletter. And it basically kind of detailed what the MSU CIA is all about. And so really from, from the start of it, it was, like I mentioned, it was testing the waters first, you know, access of student interest directly into industry demand. And what Mateo found, obviously, was interest was there and it was high and it was growing, um, but there was no outlet for it. And that's why he sent out that, you know, all user message that said, hey, let's create an association around this. And so uh, there were a couple pillars that we defined in the development of the MSUCA, um, basically to create this robust recruitment platform, essentially just connecting students to industry. Um, figure out a way to help people develop, you know, a, a holistic capital development, you know, capital consumption strategy where people can say, you know, if I want to go out and start my own cannabis, in, you know, industry, um, you know, grow up, distribution up, whatever, you know, how do I get the funding to do it? Um, kind of create that social equity aspect of it where people can come in and, you know, from the legal fields or, um, you know, the, the political science fields and say, you know, how do I influence change um, in society based on the cannabis industry? And, and those were a couple of just the, the pillars that we kind of looked at to say, you know, this is how we're going to center our, our efforts. Okay. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, you, were, you were talking about a couple of those different career paths. So um, do you mind, I two-part question, I would guess, is you were talking about the articles you were reading. Um, what, what was the first career that interested you, Pat, like, you know, career paths, and what are the different career paths that students from Eli Broad or the different business colleges could, um, could consider? Yeah, of course. So the, the, ba the very basic broad answer is anything. <laughs> and I know that's not the right answer, but you know, what, so what does that really mean? So when, when Mateo and I were kind of going out and reaching out to industry and, you know, figuring out what industry was looking for in students, um, uh, a really good reference that we used. So the VP of, of human resources from Pharmacan, which is a major, major company out here in the Chicagoland area. Um, I met with her and her VP of um, public outreach and compliance. And I asked that same question. I said, you know, what is the, the opportunity for anyone going to business school? You know, they're, they're trying to become a master of finance or an undergraduate, you know, they're attending an undergrad, undergrad program in finance or whatever. And they basically said, it's, there's no difference. It's just a different industry. 
So as long as you have a fundamental grasp of, of what the industry does and obviously the, the product and the service that they're offering, then there really is no major translation requirement between, you know, your specialty skill set, HR, finance, business operations, and the industry as a whole. It's just you're going to find that there's a little bit more, you know, technical restrictions on what you're able to do. Obviously for, you know, I'll use marketing as a great example. Um, cannabis is, is very similar to the tobacco industry. You can't go out and just, you know, litter the airwaves of, of Hulu and Amazon and, and, you know, cable television with, with ads for cannabis. It's just, it's not there yet. It's that weird gray area. So you can't do that. And that's an impact obviously on the marketing sector. And so you need to have the understanding of, of government regulations on, on marketing. Um, HR is another one. The, the VP of HR from Pharmacan, uh, Sue, Sue Mullins, she kind of said, look, most companies have zero, zero tolerance policies for, for, you know, usage of, um, you know, controlled substances to include cannabis and, they're like, well, we kind of had to write that out and say, we kind of expect you to be consuming this product at some point in your tenure with this company. Um, and another really great one, and, and which is the up and coming one is, is horticulture. So in our very first meeting that we had um, in early 2020, we had actually had one of our, our up and coming speakers for our speaker series, um, Ryan Disney. And somebody asked him that same question. Hey, Ryan, what's what's my purpose going to be in the cannabis industry with a horticulture degree? And he's like a job, like I have a job for you right now because we need people that understand how to grow plants of, of this nature. Um, and you know, how to influence the, the control of, of the growth of that plant. And so there really is no major, um, you know, differentiation in, in specialties, you know, in, in I'll use agriculture as an example between agriculture and in the cannabis sector, you're, you're growing plants and you just got to know how to do it and know how to do it the right way so that a people don't get hurt or, or injured or sick. So again, very broad answer, but it, it's, it just comes down to, are you going to, are you going to really break out of that stigma and say, you know what, this is the industry I want to be in. Do you think that, um, like there's a certain sector, maybe there's the most opportunity. Cause I know it's kind of, at least from my perspective, it seems like every state is a little bit different as things are becoming legalized and who knows what's going to happen on a federal level. We've seen there was like a decriminals, you know, there was a law on the table, but it didn't get passed on the Senate. So do you think there's like certain sectors as it becomes legalized in different state that there's more opportunity maybe than others? So I will quote one of our, our former speakers from the, the cannabis speaker series that we held this last fall. So Adrian Sedlin, uh, he is the, grab my note here. He is basically the founder, you know, CEO, lead executive of, of Candescent. And somebody asked again that, that same question to him, you know, what, where is the, where's the industry going? What is my best opportunity? He said, look, if you bring an idea or a product, or a service that is viable to this this industry and it's it's solid and it's legal the potential is limitless and he's he's not wrong because you know there's so many outlets for for cannabis and in social equity e-commerce that you know to, to say there is one true 
you know, part of the sector that, that is going to see the most growth, it, it's very hard to define because it really could be anything at this point, just because obviously as, as limitations come off and, and um, you know, your barriers to entry as far as governance and regulations start to become more relaxed, it's just going to, it's going to open the door. Um, but uh, on that same point, it's really, I think that the one product that cannabis is looking at growing um, the fastest is going to be the edible realm just because that realm right now is breaking down stigmas as far as consumption faster than any other um, to include, you know, CBD oils and stuff of that nature. That's, that's really interesting. You touched on something too. I was definitely going to ask about. So do you see any stigmas that are like lasting in the industry for, you know, college students, business students um, trying to break into it? hundred percent. And, and I'll even say 110%. Um, just because, you know, obviously growing up and, and I'll use my experience as a kid, you know, we experienced the dare program. And to us, that was this concept that, you know, drugs are bad. Drugs are going to ruin your life. You know, marijuana is going to melt your brain. You're going to go farther, farther back, you know, sixties, fifties, forties. And just the way that society talked about these, these products, um, it, the stigmas were there, you know, if you, you know, even mention marijuana, cannabis, you are the token stoner. That's what some people identify you as. If you are in an industry where, you know, I'll use the military, for example, you mention anything like that in the, mil in the, in the military, you, you will be finding yourself in line for your analysis very quick. Um, because people just assume that you are consuming it, even if you're not allowed to. And, and that's that, that barrier that people have to break down is, you know, it's, it's not this, this poison that we're ingesting in our bodies. It's, you know, it is a viable alternative to medicine in some cases. It is um, the viable alternative to, you know, anti-anxiety medications, like same point, but it, it's just, it's got to be broken down and say, you know, this isn't really destroying lives. This is just creating opportunity. And it's not, you know, that traditional sense of rolling a joint, hitting a bong, you know, that culture that was kind of, I guess, wrapped up in music too. Um, it's, it's just more than that. It's, it's no different than alcohol. And once that stigma comes off, then we're on, we're on to something, but it's just that it's, it's part of the, the winds of change. And I think once culture realizes that it's going to be more and more just a part of our society, then the stigma will come off. But until then it's really just, people got to take that risk and say, you know what, I'm going to be a trailblazer in, in the cannabis sector rather than being a trailblazer in some other space, you know? Yeah. That's so interesting. So do you mind Ben then telling, do, what are you, what are you guys doing at the cannabis industry association to help break down those barriers for students? Um, is there anything you guys did this first semester that helped help do that? So the, the, the cannabis cannabis business speaker series is what Mateo and I called it. Uh, essentially, that was just putting people in front of the executives. And and by executives, I mean, we had executives to include the CEO of Cresco Labs, Charlie Bachtel. Um, I mentioned his name before, CEO and founder of, of Ken Descent, um, the founder of, of Dutchie, which is a cannabis e-commerce e platform. Being able to put people in front of them and realize those are just people, <laughs> you know, it, it, it just kind of helps just break down that barrier because you know, interpersonal interaction and communications is obviously even better than just reading about something on the internet because at this point, anyone can really just put whatever they want on the internet. And so when you're talking about breaking down those stigmas, um, and I'll, I'll use 
I hate to use the word propaganda because it's not really propaganda, but it was anti-drug propaganda in like the 40s, 50s, 60s. You know, you had the token stoner, you know, in the pictures with smoke coming out of their their ears and all that, all that jazz. And that's not true. Um, you know, people are people. They look just like you and me. So there's no difference in, in who you are um, image wise. And then when when you're also talking about what we did is just opening the door for conversation is absolutely critical because like I said before, and we were talking about stigmas is people are afraid to talk about that because they're afraid of some kind of second, third order effect that it might have on their life. Um, but when you put it as a, you know, a, you put it under a platform as an education authority, then it becomes more socially acceptable. And that's another pillar that, that Mateo and I tried to establish and say, you know, this isn't just the, the token stoners club. This is meant to be an educational authority within every facet of, of industry, business, finance, HR, you know, legal realm. And, and that was just bringing everyone together because if you're bringing everyone together, then again, people are talking about it. So I know it's not the best answer to that question, but um, it was just right now it, for the MSU CIA, being able to kind of say, you know what, look, we're all people of all different backgrounds, government sector, private sector, civilian sector, you know, self-starters, entrepreneurs, um, say, so, you know, we're all like-minded people, no one is different, and we all want to learn about it. And so we just kind of created this realm that says, let's learn about it. Let's, let's bring people together. Let's, let's give them the opportunity to interact with industry um, and realize that the people they're working with are, are just that people. That's, that's so awesome. I, th I think that's a great answer. Yeah. Cause I think information is key, right? If people don't know what, right. what's going on, if they don't yeah, hear from the professionals, then that those stigmas will never change. So so I want to switch gears a little bit, Ben, um, and we'd be reminisce or, you know, we are the wealth management podcast, so yep. we didn't get some finance related questions in here. So, um, yeah, in that vein, um, you know, our, our younger groups, millennial groups, um, Gen X, everything, they're kind of redefining what we're seeing the age of Robinhood investors. So you could say redefining what it means to invest, mm -hmm. got a lot more retail investors out there. And what we're seeing is the younger groups are throwing money at their values, things that they believe in. So we're seeing the rise of ESG for anybody who doesn't know what that means, environmental, social and governance uh, investing. So Another big realm of that has been the cannabis space. And we've seen there's, you know, you can buy cannabis stocks on Robinhood. Um, that's a very popular thing. So what I want to ask you, Ben, is uh, do, do you think that as investors, us as young people, there are stocks out there that are legitimate? Because, uh, you know, I will preface that in saying we've seen some cannabis stocks, like you said, go to the moon, but I've also seen them drop pretty hard afterwards. So, you know, yeah. what, do you, what do you think about that space and how it looks right now? So, yeah, I mean, we hit on it. I said, you know, 2018 Tilray went, from you know 40 some to 140 some um in the span of two months and so it's an extremely volatile realm right now um but the way i look at it is for the young investors you know myself included because part of one of my personal portfolios is i look at it like netflix or amazon when they first began or or even bitcoin for people who care about bitcoin you know bitcoin was under you know a hundred dollars at one point that's a thought that blows people's mind and so for me i'm you know i i go off of, of these industry titans that we've interacted with and they're saying you know look government regulation is is just the the big you know gate that's just kind of been put up 
um, you know, once you're able to essentially flood the market and actually develop and produce these kind of, you know, products and services that are going to help businesses scale, then you're obviously going to see your, your profit margins grow at astronomical rates. You know, these companies are obviously, as they grow, going to need to develop, you know, holistic, honest, you know, executive compensation packages. Part of that is going to be how do you pay your CEO with, with options um, rather than just kind of cash incentives. And, and a lot of companies have done that. You know, Cresco Labs is, is publicly traded in Canada because it's, it's more difficult here in the, in the U S to become a, a publicly traded, you know, cannabis company. But, but to your point, yes, a hundred percent, it needs to be, it needs to be looked at by anyone who's an honest investor, because, you know, from, from my perspective, it's, it's no different than saying I wanted to buy Amazon when it first went public, you know, the opportunities there, it's going to do nothing but grow. Um, and, and for those that just, need to diversify a portfolio. It's, it's there. The options are there. It's most, most companies are trading right now, at least under $20. I know Tilray is still under 20. Um, there's a huge one called Afria, which actually is working on a partnership with Tilray. They're under $20. So if you're worried about, you know, your capital that you're going to be investing in it, it's not, it's not really that big of a risk. Cause a lot of these, these companies right now have kind of bottomed out, but they're not dead. They're not bankrupt because of the fact that, like I said, once the, that floodgate opens and, and cannabis becomes federally legalized, these companies are going to scale and they're going to scale fast. Um, it's going to be, to me, and this is just my opinion, is it's going to be looked at um, in, in anyone's portfolio just as a, as a growth stock. Will it be someone's entire portfolio? No. I mean, there's ETFs too that people have developed for the cannabis sector. They're not huge, but they're affordable and they'll grow, you know, and then once people scale these companies, they're going to offer dividends and then they're going to be part of somebody's passive income means. Should they start considering it a hundred percent? Because at this point, if you don't consider it now and just take that risk, a hundred dollars, $200, maybe, I mean, that's what I did when I first threw money at the cannabis sector. You don't know, you don't know. Right. And there is no guarantee with finance. There's no guarantee with the stock market. There's no guarantee with Bitcoin. It's, it's all about the risk and the reward. And to me, it's going to be a, a long-term high yield reward. That's it. That's interesting. You use that word diversified there. I like that. Um, definitely want to add, you know, many pieces to a diversified portfolio. So yeah, Ben, this has been great. Something I always like to end on. Um, so I, I guess I just want to open the floor up to you, man. Um, is there anything we didn't touch on today that you'd like to say to any college students who are considering uh, the cannabis industry as a career? So, you know, we I've mentioned our, our cannabis speaker series a lot. Um, and this is something that I personally noticed as a trend between every executive or, or director that we met with or, or spoke with. And they said, look, even if the opportunity is not there now, it's going to be there in the future. And if this is your end goal to be a part of that industry, then just work on developing those hard and soft skills now. There's, there's no being a broker for, you know, Wells Fargo or a banker at JP, Morgan Chase or an HR generalist at a steel company, you know, is going to hurt my chances of being in the cannabis industry. At that point, you're just developing skills. Um, and, and to that point, you know, it's going to take time. 
<laughs> like investing. I know the whole point of this is, is investing and, and, and looking at financials. Um, but if you're not going to invest in yourself and in, in time as, as an asset, then it's not going to, you know, it's not going to result in some kind of profit, I guess is the best way to look at it. And, uh, and two, I, I think some that I did leave out is, um, from one of your original questions, I think when you were kind of talking about, you know, serious legitimate careers is that, that merging of, of kind of social equity and, and progress with, with business ambitions. Um, so again, looking at that and, and how people are trying to figure out, you know, where my place is in this industry. Um, we talked with Adrian Sedlin, you know, founder of Candescent, you know, he launched a, a program called Justice Joints where hundred percent of the proceeds are actually looking at funding the change that they want to see in, in, you know, governance. Um, and, and that's, that's huge because a lot of people don't recognize those, those philanthropic interests, um, that, that some of these, you know, founders, these creators, these companies have. And then for, you know, the students of MSU, I mean, the, the mentors are out there too. These people are going to potentially be your mentors in, in industry, whether that be business, finance, HR, IT. They're there. Lean on them. It's an opportunity. Awesome. Ben, thank you so much. Yeah, this has been a pleasure. Anything heard on the MSU WMA podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be considered as investment advice. If you liked what you just heard, please like, comment, and share. This is Vincent Pacillo, producer of the MSU WMA podcast. MSU WMA, or Michigan State University Wealth Management Association, is a student organization part of the Eli Broad College of Business located in East Lansing, Michigan. Our mission is to inspire and educate the next generation of financial planners. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please check out our channel on all platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcast. And check out our social media at MSUWMA and MSUWMA.com.